holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus, your name is power. Jesus, your name is breath and living water. Such a marvelous mystery. Jesus, help us to see you rightly more so today than we ever have. Help us to see you rightly and, and at the same time, help us to see ourselves rightly in light of who we are before you. Our need for you, our dependency upon you, our need for repentance and conviction today, encouragement and faith and strength and love for you. And for one another, holy is your name. We bow in reverence before you right now to declare that you are God and we are not. You are God and not the things we're so tempted to run to. You are God and you will not share your glory with another. You are life. Jesus, you are the Holy One of God. Where else would we go? Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Speak to us the words of eternal life today. Guard my mouth from error. Say what you want to say and find a church that is humble before you to say, Lord, I need to feast on the bread of life today. I'm done feasting on the perishable bread of this world. Speak to me. We would not sit in our pride, but we would seek you in humility. In Jesus' mighty name, church, if you agree, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 6, um, verses 60 to 71. John 6, 60 to 71. And if you do not have a copy of God's Word, just put up your hand. We want to put a Bible in your lap. Our ushers are coming forward right now. And uh, it's on page 520, 520, in those Bibles that are being handed out right now. And if you do not have a copy of God's Word at home, then we want you to take that home as a free gift for you to encourage you to continue abiding in the Lord daily. John 6, 60 to 71. Well, here we are moving along in our series, verse by verse, line by line, through the Gospel of John, specifically chapters 5 to 7. And as you're turning there, I, I want you to consider the statistic that's about to go on the board, because it's going to set the stage for um, everything Jesus is about to tell us in these next 11 verses. The stat is this. According to the latest Pew Research study in December 2018, 67.3% of Canadians identify themselves as Christians. What's a Christian? They identify themselves as Christ followers, disciples of Jesus. Let it sink in, loved ones. 67.3% of our nation. Congratulations, we live in a Christian nation. That's roughly, according to the latest UN statistics, 25 million people in our country claiming to follow Jesus Christ. But I think if you look at that, 
and then you look at the state of our nation, you'd say there's a bit of a disconnect, wouldn't you? There's a bit of a problem, a big one. And what is it? The problem is not everyone who claims to follow Jesus Christ actually does. Just think about it. Maybe even in this room right now. And the result is, the result of this is that it creates confusion and division among Christ's followers and nothing less than eternal life and salvation are hanging in the balance. People say they believe in Christ, but they're not his disciples and their eternity is literally separated from him if something doesn't change. And this isn't just a problem today as of 2018. This is the 21st century, but this was just as big a problem in the first century. In Jesus' day too, let's get our context for where we're at. Jesus is in Capernaum. Here's our wonderful map. Northwest part of the Sea of Galilee, fishing village, and he's in the Capernaum synagogue. So this is the day after he's just fed the 5,000 at Bethsaida, more like 20,000 when you count women and children. So they've cruised across the lake, and here he is in the Capernaum synagogue in that main part on the left. He's teaching there, and there's benches set up there, and so let's go into the room. This is where we're at. This is where it's all taking place. The day after the feeding of the 5,000 and he's teaching a mob of people that have followed him into this room right here. Now these rooms, don't be deceived. These rooms can hold thousands of people. They just cram in like sardines. I've stood in this synagogue and it's a lot bigger than what that picture gives it credit for. And so these people have followed him to the synagogue after seeing this miracle and having lunch together. And so this is the next day. And he's just finished in verses 22 to 59 of John 6. Jesus is just giving a sermon. He finished giving what's called the bread of life discourse. And in this bread of life discourse, he declared that he is the son of God and Messiah. And he describes... In it, how salvation is found in him alone. So here's some of the declarations that sum up the bread of life discourse. You may want to write this down. Jesus said he's equal with God. Blasphemous to the Jews. Verse 27. He is equal with God. Number two. He declared that true satisfaction is found in him. Verse 35. He says, what are you laboring for? He said, don't be toiling after the bread of the world for the food that, that perishes, but labor for the food that endures to eternal life. You come and eat of me and drink of me and you will be satisfied. And here it is. Number three, he declares that the life he gives for the world is his flesh. That God himself came to earth to die on a cross. Verse 51. He says, if you want eternal life, if you want true life that you're seeking in your good works, it's not found there. Jesus, he says, he says, the life that I'm giving for the world is my flesh. He declares something even more outrageous in verse 54 to the Jews. He says, he is the exclusive path to God. He says, no one comes to the Father but through me. 
It echoes John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. So that is, that is really penetrating this hostile environment. And it's rising. You just see the, the blood pressure of the Jews with each of these statements rising more and more and more and more until we get to this one. Number five, Jesus declares you must eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. That means you must believe in him in faith that he is the Messiah if you are going to have eternal life. Verse 56, he is the true bread. He is the true drink. And the result of this, as I've already hinted at, is as he's going through this discourse, there's an increasing amount of hostility and rejection and unbelief. The Jews are flat out rejecting him. Many of them. But now, in these last 11 verses here, 60 to 71, Jesus' focus shifts away. It shifts away from the hostile Jewish crowd who is openly rejecting him. And he turns his attention specifically. This is where we need to pay attention today, loved ones. Jesus turns his attention specifically to those who claim to be his followers who weren't openly rejecting him, but who are sitting in that synagogue listening and have followed him and are saying, I believe in Jesus. And he asked them the question that he is asking us this morning. It is this, do you take offense? Do you take offense? And here in this dialogue, as he's addressing the so-called believers We see two crucial questions that the truth of Jesus confronts us with and that our answers to determine if we will truly follow Christ and have life in him. Our answers to these two questions that Jesus confronts us with today. So let's honor the authority of God's word and let's dive in as we stand and read John chapter 6 verses 60 to 71. The words of eternal life. When many of his disciples heard it, They said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Notice they're identified as disciples. They identified themselves as his followers. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Again, emphasized the word disciples. They turned away from him. 67, so Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go his way as well? You want to go too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Hear the word of the Lord, loved ones. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, the truth of Jesus confronts us with two questions. And the first one is this. Am I claiming to follow him but taking offense? Am I claiming to follow him 
but taking offense. And the truth that is emphasized in these first seven verses is this. Many will claim Christ, but few will follow him. Am I taking offense? Many will claim Christ, but few will follow him. Am I taking offense? Look at verse 60 right here. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? The word disciples there, just so we're on the same page, loved ones, the word disciples means those who claim to be his followers, those who favored Christ and said they believed in him. They would say, I'm a Christian. After hearing Jesus declare the truth about himself, Many of those who said they believed in and followed him, notice what happened here in this text. They begin to grumble and they respond in disgust. Their, their response is one of disgust. These are the ones who claim to follow him. Response is one of disgust, saying that what they've just heard is too hard for them. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to this? It's too hard for them to follow. We're not going to listen to you anymore, Jesus. It's not convenient for us anymore. It's not easy. It's going to cost us something. What do you mean you're the exclusive way? What do you mean you're God? I want to have lots of gods. That's not a popular view. The word hard here in the Greek means it's too demanding. What you ask me to do What you call me to, if I'm going to follow you, is just too demanding, Jesus. It's too difficult. It's too, here's a big word today, offensive. That's what it means. It's too offensive. It's too inconvenient for my schedule. It's too harsh. And ultimately, this is a big one, it means intolerable. What do you mean I must eat of the bread of life? What do you mean you're the exclusive path to God? I want to claim you, and, and yet I want to live how I want to live. And I want to be who I want to be. And I still want to do the things I want to do, and, and this, and pursue the things of this world. But I still want to claim you. I'll claim that I believe you. Hey, loved ones, does that sound like today? 67.3% of today. And then look at Jesus' response in 61 and 62. Live in the text. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at these things? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? See, Jesus responds. Notice what he said. Notice where it says, he knew, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling. What does he do? He knows their hearts. 2 Timothy 2.19, the Lord knows those who are his. And he looks into their hearts, claiming with their mouths, but he looks in knowing they're not following him. And he asks them the question, do you take offense at this? Loved ones, we can claim a lot of things, but we have to remember Jesus sees our true heart. That's a sobering word, huh? He's looking at our hearts right now. Mine, yours. He knows it. Exactly where we're at with him. And he says, do you take offense? The word offense there means this. This is an important word. To give up believing. He goes, you going to stop following me? You going to not believe in me anymore? It's too hard? Too inconvenient? It means to put a stumbling block or snare in the way. 
Is it too much for your schedule to abide with me? Is it too much? Is that a stumbling block for you? Jesus isn't pulling words here. Is it too much for you to believe that I alone am the Son of God, that I alone am the Savior of the world, and that salvation is found in no one else? Is it too much? Is it too offensive? And the truth of what that means for your life, is it too inconvenient for you to accept? Do you want to do your thing? Too inconvenient for you to believe in? Verse 62, he says, if that's too offensive for you, look at this. He just presses into this right now. He presses in. He's not trying to make friends here. He's trying to make disciples. Watch this. He presses in even further. He says, if that's too offensive for you, what my words, and if you reject me and my words now, what's going to happen when you see me, the son of man? He describes himself, the son of man, as I truly am. What's going to happen on that day? When you see me as I truly am, ascended back to where I was before I came to earth, when I was enthroned in glory in my place of power and authority with the Father. John 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word. Capital W. Why? Because it's a name. And the Word was with God in the beginning, all eternally. And the Word was God. He says, if you're going to reject me now from my words, what's going to happen? How's your, how's your unbelief and excuses going to hold up when you see me sitting at the place of power and authority beside my father? Is your, are your excuses going to hold up at that moment? Is your unbelief going to bail you out and say, it's too, oh, it was too offensive, Jesus, sorry. No, you're going to be on your face, bro. He says, if you're offended now, by hearing the truth of God's word, maybe even in this room today, if you're offended by hearing that Jesus, yes, is the exclusive path to God and eternal life, what's going to happen on that day when you actually see it for yourself? No more excuses there, because at that point, it's going to be too late to do anything about it. Now we have a choice. On that day, we won't, but we're still going to bow. So here's Jesus putting it all on the table. Is your unbelief going to help? Loved one, it's not going to go well for you because when you reject me, you ultimately reject God because I am God. I and the Father are one. Sobering word right there. And then look at verse 63. Let's read this together. It goes on to say, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. See what Jesus says right there? He says, true belief or true life in him can only be given by the Holy Spirit. We talked about that two messages ago. The doctrine of election and, and God sovereignly drawing us to himself by his power. We won't even seek him on our own. He says it only comes when to a person by the Holy Spirit. You say, who's the Holy Spirit? The third person of the Trinity. One God, three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and then God the Holy Spirit. Fully distinct persons and yet all equally God. One God. Fully God. And here's the third person of the Trinity now that we see. And as, they, as people hear the word of God, and the Spirit opens their eyes. We should be praying this every Sunday, loved ones. Lord, open our eyes to see who you are. 
by your mercy. Holy Spirit, open our hearts to respond. And as he opens our hearts and our eyes to see the truth, and then we respond in repentance and faith by the faith that he gives us, we come to know him and be saved in him. But the flesh, what's he talking about the flesh here? The word for flesh means the human will, all your emotions and your intellect, all your smarts, all your gonna white knuckle this my way to Jesus. Guess what? It's, it's no help, it's useless. The flesh is no help at all. No help means absolutely useless to try on your own to do this. You cannot earn eternal life. You cannot save yourself. You can't think your way to heaven. Now think about this. That statement right there would be a major offense to the Jews. They were all about their good works. They were all about their piety. And here's Jesus saying, you can try all that stuff. You can put the phylacteries on your mind and you can band up your wrists and you can face certain ways to pray and say your chance. But at the end of the day, that flesh, that work of the flesh is useless. It is of no help. And the words, Jesus says, that I have just declared to you are the words of the spirit and life. That means God is the source of these words. Loved ones, hear the word of the Lord today. God is the source of this word. This is the God-breathed, inerrant word going forth right now, hearing the word of the Lord. It is spirit and life. And we are faced with a decision. Are we taking an offense to this? That's not going to go well. Or will we humble ourselves and say, Lord, help me to see the truth today and come to you And Jesus says he will give spiritual life to those who respond to these words in faith. And now look at Jesus going to say in 64, 65. He says this, but there are some of you, looks into the hearts. He says there are some of you who do not believe. Some of you listening right now claiming, Jesus says, claiming me, but don't believe. For, look at the brackets, for Jesus knew from the beginning. Beginning, he hearkens it all the way back. To eternity. From the beginning, those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And we look at 65 and he says, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. Jesus says, But even as you're hearing this right now, as you're hearing my truth, the words of God proclaim to you right now, and you have claimed to be my followers, there are those of you who do not genuinely believe in me of who I am as the Son of God, who I am and my work that I am going to on the cross to save your life, to pay the penalty for your sin, to take the wrath of God on myself that you deserve, that I deserve. Because you can't, the flesh is no help. You can't do it any other way. There is salvation no other way. He says, but you don't genuinely believe in me. Why? He says, you just want my next performance. You want your next lunch. You want your next full belly. You want your next provision from this world. You want me for that. You want me to be your genie. You don't believe in me for who I really am. It's good to keep Jesus in our back pocket when we need to throw up a prayer, huh? Fill in the need. He says, you you want the easy and comfy life filled with pleasures of this world. You want the desires of what you want from this world fulfilled. That's why you want to follow me. 
You don't want me. You want what I can do for you. That's all. You want the handout. And then even, he goes on to say, even one of the 12 disciples that I've chosen, he's going to betray me. Betray there, the word betray in the Greek means to deliver over to death. And he's talking, as we find out in verse 71, about Judas, one of the 12 disciples. And Jesus says, you claim to believe in me, but unless you've been drawn to me by the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit, and unless you've responded by the Spirit in repentance and faith, you will not truly believe in me. You will take offense and you will ultimately turn away from me. You will ultimately turn away when the cost gets too great, when the persecution comes and you don't want to do it, if you haven't been drawn to me by the Father, you will turn away. Your flesh is no help. And look at the result in verse 66. This is like the watershed moment. My heart grieved again and again in preparation this week over this. Look at 66. After hearing this, many of his disciples, the so-called followers, turned back and no longer walked with him. It's too hard, Jesus. Many. The word many there, by the way, we're talking about potentially thousands. Remember how many thousands followed him to the synagogue? Potentially thousands of people in a moment turn away from him. After hearing that sermon. And the turn back there, it's not like, well, I'll turn for a few hours and then I'll kind of, you know, do this and come back when I feel like. No, 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 no. The ter- Greek term for turn back there means they stopped following. They stopped, full stop. They turned away and they resigned from his instruction and disassociated from his message. They no longer wanted to hear. They no longer wanted to live by the truth of his word. Now, if we look at by the world standards today of what a quote-unquote successful sermon is, how's that working? Is that getting more people in the seats or is that clearing house? According to this world standards of what makes church successful, Jesus just preached the biggest dud of a sermon in history. Thousands of people walked out on him. He's got 12 left. Was it a success? It accomplished exactly what he wanted it to. See that? We've got it backwards, loved ones. We've got it backwards. What does true faithfulness look like? What is true fruitfulness? One commentator said it this way, the more Jesus became an offense, the more visible became their unbelief. The more of the truth they learned, the more of the truth they heard, beyond the, yeah, Jesus, eternal life, I want to follow him, let's get after it. Okay, here's what it's going to cost. Oh, I'm not so willing now. And then here's what it means. Oh, the culture doesn't like that. And then here's what it means. Oh, the more the truth of Jesus was revealed, the more of an offense he became. Just like the parable of the sower, right? Three out of four seeds didn't make it. Some sprouted up real fast. I like the idea of eternal life. I like the idea of no more tears and sickness and sorrow. Oh, man, I love that idea. I'm all in with Jesus. Plus, I get my needs met. Bring it on. And then it sprouts up real fast. But then what happens? The cares and the pleasures and the temptations of the world choke it out. Choke the life out of it. 
and their true unbelief is revealed. It's sobering. It's a sobering word. And this is, loved ones, this is a picture of what's going on all around us today. Bring it into today. This is going on all around us as the cost of being a true follower of Jesus Christ increases. We see this. Many people hear the message of the gospel and they start out excited for Christ. Yes, I want a savior. I want what he can give. I want the, yeah, I'm on fire. And they sprout up saying they're all in for him that they have a genuine belief in him, but gradually over time, as the truth of Jesus is increasingly revealed, what, I gotta stop that pattern of sin in my life? I gotta stop living with my boyfriend or girl? What? I gotta stop engaging in sexual, I got what? No thanks. Over time, as the truth is revealed, and what it means to follow him, the offense increases and unbelief is revealed. And the result is they stop following when things get hard, inconvenient, unpopular, or there's more popular, quote-unquote, teaching with the culture. Itching ears want to hear that. I'm going to go to that, that gospel over there. It's more in line with what I feel. When there's a cost to obedience, they leave, and they only want to follow when it's easy, attractive, and they get what they want. But the more Jesus becomes an offense, the more visible becomes their unbelief. And they look like, here's the thing, these guys were following him. They're like leaving their homes. They're leaving their family. I'm going to follow Jesus. They look like and act like real disciples for a while, but eventually stop following him. It becomes clear there was no true belief. Why? Why? Well, we see in verse 65, because we know from what Jesus says, That once we're truly saved, we're forever following. Once saved, truly saved, forever following. It's the doctrine of eternal security. Jesus unpacked that two messages ago. He will raise them up on the last day, those who are truly saved. Once saved, forever following. Philippians 1.6 backs this up. You see it on the screen there. I love how Paul says it. And I am sure of this. Look at the certainty. The certainty that salvation brings. That he who began a good work, that is Jesus Christ, he who began a good work in you will, look at the promise, he will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You will, your faith will persevere. You will be sustained if you are truly saved because Jesus is the one sustaining your faith. That's beautiful truth. Take comfort in that, loved ones. If we are truly saved, Jesus sustains the faith in the face of mass defection. Jesus holds us fast, amen? The flesh is no help to do this. And I, and I want to get some clarity here. If you're sitting here like, well, wait, does that mean I'll never have a dry season? And am I like totally say, Listen, you're going to go through dry seasons. Seasons where you feel closer to the Lord. Seasons where it's, it's harder. To, it's a, you get in front of God's word and you say, God, I, I don't feel it right now to get into this. But by faith, I'm choosing to press into you because you will sustain me and you will refresh me. By faith, I'm drawing near. There's dry seasons. And there may be seasons, loved ones, where you struggle with God's goodness. You know, going through the loss of a child these last two months, my wife and I, like, there's been a struggle Why? But you 
don't bail on your faith because Jesus is sustaining your faith. He goes, you bring your concerns to me. You bring your tears. You bring your struggles. I'll sustain you and I'll refresh you if you keep pressing into me. I'll lead you to me. And you may have seasons of struggle, doubting God's goodness and, and the faith. Can Jesus really be trusted? That's okay. Bring that to the Lord. Doesn't mean you're not saved in that moment. It's just bring it to him. He will sustain you. It's not about perfection. It's about perseverance and the power of the Spirit. Philippians 1.6. See, many will claim Christ, but few will follow. Hey, loved one, are you taking offense? Are you taking offense to Jesus today, but claiming his name? Does the truth of the person of Christ as the Son of God, fully God and fully man, and the only Savior of the world, every other religion, false, false, here it is. Are you taking offense to that right now? Then you're taking offense to Christ. Is who he is as the Son of God, the only Savior of the world, fully God, fully man, and the truth of the work of cross and how he died on the cross for our sin and rose again, and he's the only way to forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Does that seem offensive to you? Does Jesus seem offensive to you? Or is he one of just many options for you? When, are you following him when it's convenient and easy and popular? We can come on Sunday morning. It's real popular to follow Jesus here. Are you claiming to follow him for material things that he can give you or for who he is as your Lord? Regardless if you get what you think you want from this world. Maybe here, hey loved ones, hear the word of the Lord. I want to be as loving and gentle as I can on this with us. Maybe you're here and you've claimed to believe Christ at one point. You said, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Maybe you're just like these Jews right here. Yeah, I, I, I'm following him. Maybe even prayed a prayer at some point. And you've tried living for him. You've sprouted up real fast. But now he's not a priority for you. And his word, his teaching is becoming increasingly offensive to you. You don't worry about repenting of sin. We'll just keep on going in it. It's time to reevaluate for you this morning. It's time to reevaluate. Get before the Lord, open up his word, and ask him, am I truly saved? Do I truly believe? Or am I taking offense? Here's the hope we have in the gospel. As he reveals that, if you're willing to go before him in that, and he reveals, no, 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 there's unbelief. He says, today when you hear my voice, don't harden my heart. Today can be the day of your salvation. You might have given up on him, but he hasn't given up on you. When you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. And you say, help my unbelief. Because once saved, forever following. The truth of Jesus confronts us with two questions. Number one, am I claiming to follow him but taking offense? 
And when we answer that question, we're confronted with the second, just as Jesus confronts his disciples with right here. Ready? Will I commit to follow him and give confession? Will I commit to follow him and give confession? And the truth that confronts us in these last five verses is this. Jesus Christ alone gives eternal life. Will I commit to him and confess him? Let's read verse 67 to 69. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? You want to leave with the crowd too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, after watching many people who claim to follow Christ now walk away from him, look what Jesus does. He's not panicking. He sees the heart. He knew those who were his. He's not like, oh, guys, what are you going to do? Stay, stay, stay. Please stay. He's not doing that. He just calmly looks. He knows the Father's working out his plan. He trusts him. He calmly turns to the disciples and says, you want to go too? You want to go too? And he asks if they're offended by him and if they want to go away and follow the crowd, follow the world, or would they continue to follow him? And in verse 67, circle 67, this is the declaration I pray for every single follower of Jesus Christ here at Hope Ottawa and everyone who truly claims his name. Watch this. Peter declares their commitment to Christ. Notice he declares the commitment before the confession. Here's the commitment. He says, where else are we going to go? Where else is eternal life going to be found? We're not budging. We are forsaking every other thing that wants to be our master. We're forsaking every other path, everything of perishable bread of this world. Where else are we going to go to find eternal life? There is nowhere else. You won't find it anywhere else. Look at the commitment. He goes, we're not going anywhere. Line in the sand. And loved ones, for us here today, corporately as a church, individually, for you, in your families, in your relationships, this is a line in the sand moment. This is what Jesus is doing. You're going to go away too? Here's the moment. And Peter draws the line in the sand. He goes, where are we going to go? We're not going anywhere. We're standing right here on the truth. Why? Because you have the words of eternal life. It's not found in a false religion. You have the words of eternal life. It's not found on Facebook or the, or the patterns or opinions of this world. You have the words of eternal life, Jesus. Line drawn. Stand taken. Commitment given. I'm not going anywhere. We are rejecting all else as Savior and Master. And you know what I was really convicted by this week? When he says we're rejecting all else as Savior and Master, that includes himself. I am not going to be my own master anymore. Just do what I want to do in my schedule and control what I want to control and do all that. He goes, I'm giving that up. I am not my own master of my destiny. What you say goes. I'm committed. We are committed to you. Efforts. Other gods. So-called truths. Why? Because you have the words of eternal life and we believe in and know that you are the Holy One of God. That's a key term. That Holy One of God there is an Old Testament term that he pulled out of Isaiah and it's used for God Almighty. You are the Lord. 
You are the Lord and we are bringing under you every part of our lives in submission to you. There will be nothing that is untouchable for you. Everything's on the plate in front of you. Everything. Total commitment. And Peter confesses that Jesus is who he says he is. You are the Holy One of God, which means you're the Savior. You are the Lord. You are the Master. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. Your bread of life discourse, that is absolutely true. You are who you say you are. And eternal life can only be found in you. Now, I want you to picture what's happening here. Live in the text. Remember, this is an actual historical event. Watch this. You're in the synagogue again. You're sitting on one of those side benches. See, they have the benches there. That's where they would sit to hear the rabbi who would teach in the center of the synagogue. There's thousands of people packed in. But you're sitting there in this synagogue. And now all of a sudden, you see people start to peel out. Leave. Leave. You're sitting there watching this. And you're, you know when you see someone get up and you're like, they get your attention like, he's walking out. Uh-oh, she's walking out. She's wa- he's walking out. He's walking out. Uh, should I? You see this happening. Mass, the biggest defection yet. You see it happening. Hundreds of people turning their back on Christ, saying that believing him is, following him is too hard and there's too much cost. Question, would you be tempted to doubt too? Would the peer pressure get to you? Wait, why is everybody leaving? Should I leave too? Well, you're sitting on one of those beds. Hey, that's my friend peeling out. Wait a sec, that's my, that's my family member. That's my kid. What would you be tempted to? Do you want to go too? How would you feel? The peer pressure. Think of a moment you've had peer pressure before. How'd you feel in that moment? Thousands of people are rejecting and walking away. Would you doubt too? Would you be started? Would you be tempted to start questioning if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and if you really want to count the cost to follow him? How about today and the pressures that we're increasingly facing in our families, in our society, in our relationships? Society increasingly telling us that we can find hope and peace and truth and satisfaction in everywhere else but Christ. Is your declaration still, where else are we going to go? That's not going to go away, by the way, loved ones. That's only going to increase the pressure to defect. And you may say this. Well, wait a second. If you're in that synagogue, you may say this. How can, in the face of such mass defection and the pressures and the break, like the, the hard position you're in now because of relationships that are severed or there's conflict, and how can someone stay faithful? In the face of this, how can someone stay committed and give confession that he's the Holy One of God in the face of such mounting hostility? Look at the answer in verses 70 to 71. Here's some beautiful gospel hope. Ready? 70 to 71. Jesus answered them, the disciples, did I not choose you, the 12? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he one of the 12 was going to betray him. See that? 
Look at the hope right there in verse 70, first part. Jesus responds by telling Peter that they will continue to commit to him and confess him. Not because of, well, we've believed, we've got it down pat. No, 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 no. He says, the reason you stay faithful to me is because I chose you. You did not choose me. I chose you, Peter. This is not in your strength and your savvy. You are staying faithful because right here in this moment in a face of mass defection, I am preserving your faith. Awesome. That's the perseverance of the saints. That is the beauty of the gospel. When we are truly saved, we will see deception for what it is. And even though it may be hard and crushing, the separation of relationships and persecution and mockery. And even in that moment, you may be tempted to know, but Jesus, hang on, loved one. Jesus is preserving your faith and mine. And it will endure, and he will finish the good work that he started. Amen? In that moment, he says, I chose you. That's why you're still here. I chose you. You're mine. You've been drawn to me by the Father, by the Holy Spirit. And so even in the face of mass defection and rising costs, their faith was sustained because it's Jesus himself sustaining it. Can I encourage you with something? I don't know what you're facing today in regards to your faith or the pressures against it. This hit me this week. Like Your faith and mine will not fail while God sustains it. Once saved, forever following. Again, you may have dry seasons and struggles and doubts and a little bit, but bring those before the Lord and he will draw you to himself in his grace and mercy. And even though one of his disciples who was an unbeliever, Judas, would be used by the devil to hand over Jesus to death, notice this, that is betray, God in his sovereignty allowed this to happen. God in his sovereignty had Judas stay there. Why? To fulfill his mission of salvation. Jesus Christ alone gives eternal life. Question, will I commit to and follow him and give confession of him in the face of mounting adversity? Maybe you're here and you're like, well, I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. Loved one, it's not an accident you're here today. As you hear the truth of God's word proclaimed, the words of eternal life today, forget me, listen to the words of eternal life from the king. As you hear that proclaimed today, and God is drawing you to himself, respond, I plead with you, respond in repentance and faith to confess Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and turn away from that sin and turn towards him and say, Jesus, I believe you're my only hope. You have the words to eternal life. And if you're here, loved ones, if you're here and you've made that decision to follow Christ, you are his true disciple, question for you, will you commit to follow him? Will you commit to follow him? No matter the cost, no matter where he leads, no matter what he may ask you to give up for him, Will you commit to follow him and confess him in all and through all as your Lord and Savior? Hey, I'll say it a different way. Where are you claiming him but not committing to him?
I claim the name of Christ, but I'm going on in my pornography addiction. I claim the name of Christ, but I've made an idol out of my work. I'm just going on with it. Where are you claiming Christ but not committing to him? I claim the name of Christ, but I won't humble myself before my spouse. Where is that? Where are you claiming but not committing? Area of sin, idolatry, alcohol. Here's one. I'm claiming the name of Christ, but I will grumble against him and what he gives me. I'll grumble against his church. I will grumble against his people. But I'll claim the name. But I'm not committed in that area. This is not a you get to pick and choose when you want to follow. This is a line in the sand. I have decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back. And for us who've made that decision, I just want to encourage you, maybe today's the day you rededicate your life to him. You rededicate, recommit that area Lord, I've been grumbling against people, your people, which means I'm grumbling against you. I'm recommitting by the power of the Holy Spirit. I need your help. Sustain my faith to not go to the computer, to look at that, to put my family ahead of my job, to put you first in all things, to get in front of your word every day. I'm recommitting this. It's not too late, loved ones. He's waiting. Jesus ready stands to help. But will you commit it? Or just claim it. Maybe for some of us, we have a baptism service coming up. Maybe that is your next step. God, I haven't been obeying your command to get baptized. I'm claiming your name, but I haven't committed to take that step that you command me to take. Sign up. Don't, don't wait. Sign up. It's right there. Are we going to claim them or are we going to commit to them? Ask the Lord for the strength that he will give. He will not ask from you what he's not first willing to do in you. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, just as you confronted that synagogue of thousands of people with these two life-altering questions, are we claiming but taking offense, and will we commit and give confession? Lord, you ask us that today. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it doesn't leave us on our own. I thank you, God, for the clarity with which you speak. And Lord, I pray right now for such grace and mercy of the Holy Spirit, God, to open our hearts and minds to understand the scriptures. God, open our minds and hearts to respond in faith. Where are we claiming but not committing? Where are we claiming but taking offense? And will we give confession? God, I pray you'd look upon this church. Start with us as elders. And to everyone else as well, God, that you would see a church that is a line in the sand that says, we have decided to follow Jesus. And there is no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. Come what may, you have the words to eternal life. May it be so in every heart. And as, as these people, Lord, as this precious flock turns their hearts to you and say, Jesus, I need to rededicate my life to you right now. Jesus, I need to be saved. I, I need you as my Lord and Savior. God, meet them right now. Meet them. 
in your kindness, in your mercy, bringing them to repentance and restoring them in faith. May it be so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.